Welcome. You are in the right place. I'm Lana, and joining me is Laura Towler from the UK, who is an activist, a YouTuber, and a nationalist. She's also a writer and editor at the wonderful European website, Defend Europa. We'll discuss her latest video, We Were Never Asked, where she and a few others surveyed thousands of English men and women to find out their thoughts on mass immigration and becoming a minority. Up next... Laura Towler, welcome. It's good to finally have you on, considering I think I've had most of the best, most popular women in the nationalist scene in the genre on the show. So it's good to have you on here, finally. Oh, it's my pleasure entirely. And actually, the first ever interview that I did was with Henrik on Red Ice. So that was my first ever interview. And now I'm back and this is my first time on camera. So there we go. (laughs) Getting all the first. (laughs) <laughs> love it. Well, we'd love, we'd love to have you here. You're doing great work and you've been doing a lot of good work in the last two years, actually, since Henrik spoke with you. Uh, I want to get into a little bit about, you know, female nationalists, since we are both vehemently attacked by lefty male <laughs> feminists in particular. We'll talk about that later. But I first want to ask you, how long have you been an activist and a, a YouTuber? You also are an editor and writer at Defend Europa. Give us a little bit of background. Yeah, so I've been involved for about three years now. So Defend Europa will be three years old in February. So I'm an editor and a writer there. And um, also I have my own YouTube channel, which I've had for about a year now. And I mainly make videos about uh, British politics, but I focus on demographics and also identity. So what does it mean to be English? What does it mean to be British? That kind of thing. And also I'm involved with uh, the Patriotic Alternative, which is a new platform that Mark Collett has started. And I'm his like deputy leader kind of thing. And we've been trying to get off the internet and just do activism in real life, you know, form real connections. And we had our first conference in uh, England last month and then we've just completed our first piece of activism which was We Were Never Asked which you can see on the screen now That's right. and uh, yeah those those are the three roles I have so Defend Europa, YouTube and The Patriotic Alternative. Now We Were Never Asked this is your latest video I just watched it actually earlier today of course this is a reference to mass immigration uh, which has been foisted upon us against our will it's something that we didn't actually get to vote on now you went to the biggest cities in England you surveyed the people with a small team to discover really a true consensus in regards to immigration. So tell us a little bit about this video and this activism and this surveying that you did here. Yeah, so we're constantly told in Britain that, you know, diversity is our strength and immigration is fantastic for Britain. But they always do these polls where they survey like a thousand people and they always fudge the statistics and I don't think that the majority of people in Britain do think that immigration is a good thing. It always tops polls have been one of our top issues that people are concerned with. And we are slowly but surely becoming a minority in our own country. We have about three to four decades left. So we thought that we would hit the streets and survey 2000 members of the British public on their thoughts on us becoming a minority in Britain. And so that's what we did. It was a, a Saturday, I think it was in August. And there were about 40 to 50 volunteers and we had uh, yellow vests on and clipboards and we just went out and we asked the public how do you feel about becoming a minority in Britain and it was seven out of ten people who said to us that they think that it's a bad thing and only five percent of people said that they think it's a good thing and then the rest of people chose to pick uh, no strong feelings but a lot of people were scared to answer and a lot of people were saying oh it's a bit racist I'm not allowed to answer that you know that kind of thing. So I think it's more than seven out of 10 people, but obviously we just had to go with the the boxes that they ticked. (laughs) You chose three article headlines about whites becoming a minority in the UK and you asked people, one, were they aware of that? And two, what did they think about that? Now, were they aware of that yet? As you said, 70% said yes, 32% said not, which is amazing to me. Like where where do these people live? How can they not be aware? I mean, what did you think about that stat? Yeah, um, I don't know. It's difficult, isn't it? Because if you open your eyes, you can see it happening around you. <laughs> to be honest, Northerners were a bit more based than Southerners. So Northerners seem to know what's going on more than like the Champagne Socialists in London. But if you live in a predominantly white area and all you read is the mainstream media, then the media tells you that everything's going well, you know, and think of the incredible range of restaurants, that kind of stuff. So I guess these people just have their heads in a bubble. I mean, there were some people that didn't believe us. There were some people who were saying, we're not going to become a minority. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's quite good that two thirds do seem to understand what's going on. Oh, um, And then obviously we've yeah. got, 
over two thirds who think it's a bad thing as well. So we are the majority. You know, people say that we're just a fringe movement, but we're not. We are the majority. That's just it. And that is why they are trying to silence and censor and ban outlets like ours and people who talk about it, because we are actually the populist populist opinion. All these things that are being foisted on us are a small group of elites who are pushing open borders. This isn't what the common man, the common folk wants. And as you've seen on the street doing your own consensus. And I think that if we were able to reach more people, this would become an even more popular stance to be against immigration, demographic displacement, becoming a minority, because yeah, it's really bad in the UK, but it's happening everywhere, isn't isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's happening across all well white nations, isn't it? Um, but the, the one of the things I took away was obviously the results, but the other thing was just how scared people were to talk about it. People were just saying, "God, I'm not allowed to answer that question. Oh, that's too controversial." And it was like, "Why do you think this? You know, you've had it instilled in your brain since birth. They're teaching it in educations. It's all over the media. It's all over the TV." and I don't think these are controversial things that we talk about, but it kind of makes sense why some people get upset as talking about these things because they think to say anything positive about being white is must mean that you hate everybody else and it's a bad thing to say. So yep. I just think we need to break through that that brainwashing really and, and say to people, you know, it is okay to say this stuff. There's nothing wrong with, with loving your own people and your own country. Exactly. Fear. Fear is the number one thing holding us back. You're right. I think if we can get rid of fear in people's minds to speak the truth and, and realize, yeah, it's okay to be white and love your own people and want your nation to be, your England to be for English, then I think we have a serious chance of being able to reverse the damage but yeah you you realize how far deep the programming has gone unfortunately you know we're getting it everywhere now question two what did they think about you know the idea of white people becoming a minority six about 69 percent thought it was bad 4.8 percent said it was good and 27 percent said they didn't want to say now when I was watching the video, you guys were saying that people assumed that you guys were possibly leftists because who else would be out on the street asking these kinds of questions, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So some people were, I mean, so, I suppose this isn't going on YouTube, so I can maybe talk a little bit freely, but some <laughs> sure. of the people were so anti-immigration and they were just, yeah, they were just, I mean, they were saying really offensive things about immigration, um, but then they wouldn't come and do the survey with us because they thought that we were pro-immigration, and they were saying things like, "Oh, you don't want to, you don't want to know my thoughts on immigration, love." And it was like, "I do. I'm on the same side as you. Come mm. and tell me." Yeah, I think a, a lot of people um, said no strong feelings because they thought that we were pro-immigration, and then they didn't want us to think that they were racist. You know that kind of thing. Now it was 4.8 percent thought it was good that whites become a minority. Now, do you remember <laughs> what some of these yeah. people were like? Who answering yeah this is great well I didn't actually get anybody say that it was a good thing so I, I probably got maybe eight or nine people out of ten say that it was a bad thing so I thought that the overall results would be that but then when, when we you know collated all the data afterwards that it was actually 4.8 percent of people who said that it was a good thing but I don't know how I would have responded to somebody saying that I think they would be able to see in my face that I thought that it was a bad thing um, but the other guys were saying that it was mainly like younger women that were saying that it was a good thing. Of and then course. they kind of looked, they looked really pleased with themselves. Like, yeah, I've said the right answer, you know, that kind of stuff. <sighs> but you would want to say, why is it, why is it a good thing? But yeah. you're not allowed to say that because we had to be unbiased. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah and, and you did see that it was more females that are on the fence. No shocker there. Of course, more women are <laughs> suckered into this, you know, liberalism, especially women that uh, don't have kids or don't have plans to have kids. You know, they treat these migrants like <laughs> their kids or something. They want to come I also thought it was interesting, too, yeah. about the it was 30 up year olds, 30 plus year olds that said that, you know, demographic displacement of whites was a bad thing. And I think that with experience comes wisdom. No offense to all you guys listening who are under 30, but I do think that the voting age, unless you're a nationalist, should be 30. <laughs> what do you have to say about the age demographic here of the people you asked? Yeah, so the um, the groups that we did were up to like the nine. So I think we did 14 to 19 and then 20 to 29. So it would have been interesting to see if like early 20s, you know, while you're at university is a bit more left-leaning and liberal. And then I think as you grow up, you become more conservative. Um, but yeah, over 30s, well, I think it was something like 71% of them said that it was a bad thing, us becoming a minority. Or was it 73%? But then when you look at under 30s, it was only around 53%. But then it was like, 
46, I think, that said no strong feelings. So it's not that younger people are more likely to say that it's a good thing. It's just that younger people are more likely to sit on the fence and say, I have no strong feelings about it. So is it nervousness or is it... I don't know, is it brainwashing? Who knows? But it was the same with women as well. Women were, um, only 5% of them said that it was bad, but they were more likely to sit on the fence as well and say no strong feelings. What I found with a lot of younger college girls, when I talk to them, once they know kind of where I'm coming from, they kind of, they let their guard down and their hair down and just really start talking about these things. And then I find that there's actually a lot more, you know, conservative, nationalistic minded young girls than you would think. They're just quiet and because they can't say much, you know, in in college and because, you know, they'll get vehemently attacked. But also I think on the streets, when you're asking people, some people in what 27% didn't really want to say what they thought about, you know, whites being a minority because maybe they thought hey maybe i'm going to be cataloged right now i'm going to be harassed i'm going to be fired like they didn't know who you were or maybe what was going on right so they didn't quite feel comfortable yeah definitely everybody who volunteered on the day thinks that it was actually more than seven out of ten people that think that it's a bad thing but it's just that a quarter of people were too scared to answer so like i said we they didn't know who we were they thought that we were pro-immigration a lot of the people so they're just kind of it's like a get out of jail free card i guess they're just kind of backing away from the question so i definitely do think it's more than seven out of ten who think it's a bad thing which is just it's such a white pill because that, that's all we're campaigning for you know with like my youtube channel and, and the patriotic alternative it's all about demographics and trying to get the information out there so that we can re- reverse these trends and to know that such an overwhelming majority of the public want that as well it's just it's such a white pill it really is yes it is <laughs> we can work with that and that's what i think that if our ideas were out there and really promoted and people had a chance to hear and they knew other like-minded people were out there oh my gosh we can <laughs> we can just we can take our countries back so easily and undo a lot of this damage. And that is why they're working overtime to prevent our voices getting out there. Now, do you think you're going to get any flack or attacked for doing this kind of poll on the streets? Is anyone on to it yet? Yeah, the usual suspects are are all over it. But I have to say it's 99% positive feedback. And I've had so many emails and messages from people who have said that they've sent it to their mum or their cousin or their colleague and their their friends and family members are like, oh, wow, I think that too, you know. Um, It's nice to hear that other people think it. So the the feedback has been overwhelmingly positive. But 1% of people are really, really, really upset that we asked that question. And I was speaking to one of my friends and I was like, why do you think people are upset that we asked that question? Because we only asked the public what they think. You know, we didn't try to influence their decision at all. And my friend said, you've asked a question that you're not allowed to ask. It's a controversial question and they're scared of the answer. So, yes, some people are upset. Obviously, they don't want the information out there. But yeah, we're going to put it out there anyway, so we'll have to <laughs> cry about it. <laughs> no, the other thing is what I thought was interesting that people with no real strong feeling, and I think Mark mentioned this in your video there, was mostly older people, which was interesting that they said, uh, well, I won't be here. So what's it matter? Which I think is a very cowardly stance. I can't stand that. I mean, we know some older folks who think like that too. And they, I think they don't realize the gravity of the situation because they didn't have to, like you, grow up in multiculturalism and diversity and anti-white programming. They still maybe live in a little white area. They don't really know the full effects of what it's like to live there. And they don't know by taking this cowardly stance and not saying anything how it's going to affect their kids. Now, what can you tell us about uh, the older people that you spoke to? Yeah, I mean, overall, older people did answer better, but just some of the individual stories, they were saying no strong feelings, but it's only because it's too late to do anything about it, or no strong feelings because I won't be here anyway. And you just want to say, well, you you do actually think it's bad then, don't you? But you're not, you're not willing to do anything about it. But we had to tick the no strong feelings box. Um, but it's, yeah, it is sad because... As nationalists, we wanted to engage with them further and we wanted to say, well, what about your grandchildren? Or you can't just give up, you know, that's apathy. But because we were LARPing as data collection volunteers, we couldn't kind of get into a big debate to them and try and red pill them and all that stuff. So it was sad to hear people say that, but you do think like, what are, you might not be here, but do you not have children? Do you not have grandchildren? Do you not care that they might be the only white kid in their classroom at school? But um, yeah, we unfortunately on the day we couldn't do that. But yeah, it, it was sad to hear that. I think a lot of people have just lost hope, really. Now, there's a lot of people, I mean, you have them here in America too, patriots. They just think, what's the matter? 
demographics don't matter. So, you know, 101 on demographics, if there's those people watching, because they do find these videos, why is demographics so important in our nations? Well, uh, race and culture are connected. So you can't replace a people and then just expect the culture to be exactly the same. People seem to think that you can with white nations. But if we, for example, replaced everybody in China with Indians, would it still be China or would it just be India somewhere else? And it would be India somewhere else. So, I mean, if you want proof that different races breed different cultures, just look at Africa and how all the countries are similar. And then look at Europe and how all the countries are similar. And I just think it's such a childish, infantile argument to say that you can demographically replace a people with a different race and then it's going to be exactly the same. It's not at all. And I think even if we do it slowly, why would we want to do that? Why would we want our people not to flourish and not have their own, own culture in their own home? And no other ethnic group on the planet has to explain this. No other ethnic group, apart from white ethnic groups, have to say, well, I want my own home and I want my own people to exist because of this. But we're forced to do it all the time. And I think it's just got to the stage now for me where I just, I'm not even arguing it to, with anyone anymore because we shouldn't have to defend wanting to exist. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, Nobody of course. Nobody else has to do it. Absolutely. <laughs> there is no other non-white country in the world that has to defend why they need to be a country for their ethnic people, homogenous country for their ethnic people. In fact, everyone else defends it, right? I mean, you see what's happening with Kashmir and India, and we're talking about people that are still genetically very similar there, Pakistan and India. And you yeah. know, the world's crying genocide about all these Hindu Indians coming into this uh, Pakistani area that used to be Hindu, actually. Uh, genocide, mm. genocide, right? But then when all these Pakistanis are coming into England and taking over, you know, huge areas in London, oh, it's diversity. Yeah, if it's so great, why is literally no other people on the face of the earth begging to become a minority in their own country and, and import in all these foreign peoples, right? Now, yeah, and they do it with Tibet as well, don't they? With the right. Chinese in Tibet. That's one that they go on about all the time. And it's like, well, you know, what about the English? We've got people from uh, the Middle East and Africa coming over here and you don't care about us becoming a minority. No. So yeah, it's the, it's the hypocrisy of the left. <laughs> and then it's always, I'm sure you hear this all the time being English, colonialism. Oh, colonialism, you deserve it. I mean, we see that on, on mainstream shows there in England where there's foreigners sitting there talking about how much they hate the English and how they want revenge for colonialism. What do you think about that? Yeah, well, it's just uh, what they're basically saying to us is um, your people did something bad at one point in history, so you should accept something bad happening to your people now. And are we supposed to just go, yeah, okay, then that sounds like a good deal because we're not going to do that. You know, I don't care what level of suffering my people have ever inflicted on anybody. I'm not going to accept a single hair on the head of one of my people being hurt today. And I don't see why anybody would. So, and, and also the colonial argument anyway, the British Empire, obviously speaking as a British person, did a lot of good. We spread healthcare, science, technological advancements, education, democracy, the rule of law to a quarter of the globe. But people don't focus on that. They just focus on the negative things that we did. And um, personally, I, do I agree with the British Empire? Can I, Kind of not, you know, I think it's a, I think it was a very strong feat. I think we should be very proud of what we achieved, but I don't think that we should have walked into other people's countries without permission, just like I don't want that to happen to us today. But we're not going to accept bad things happening to us just because we've done bad things throughout history. It doesn't work like that. You know, we're not going to say, yeah, it's okay. You can come and attack us now. No. <laughs> yeah, I think the worst part about colonialism is we let all these people know where we exist in the world so that they can come find us today. We map the yeah. globe so they know, like, here's where white people are. You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. If it was wrong then, what makes it right today? And all people have conquered and fought for territory and done all kinds of things and no one else is ever charged for, oh, you have to give it back to them and you have to give it back to them. I mean, how far back are we going to go in, in this argument? We get that in America too, like you stole the land and you colonialists and everything. But exactly, at least the English, they did leave behind certain things, certain things that people today are coming to England to get like the health care, the, the wells, the housing, the things that these evil colonialists built, right? They're complaining about mm -hmm. that you guys did that years ago while yeah. they're coming to your country to come get those things. Yeah. yeah, we're so evil, but everybody still wants to come and live with us. It doesn't make sense, does it? <laughs> yeah, they want to come be oppressed by white supremacy, right? I hear that mm -hmm. all the time. Yeah, what, what <laughs> bothers me now is I see footage coming out of England and mass immigration 
that is dividing us. We always hear how people like us nationalists, they're trying to divide us. Like we were unified before mass immigration. England before mass immigration didn't have these problems. Now you have literally foreign peoples in your country. I just saw some footage there again of Indians and Pakistani people fighting right in England. And you guys are caught in the middle. So they're fighting you and they're fighting each other in your country. And and these problems, they're new and they're only going to get worse. Now, you're you're young and you've seen a lot happen in your lifetime. What have you you seen transpire even in the short time that you've been aware of these things? Uh, well, for me, my my red pill or wake up moment was living in Bradford. So I'm, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Bradford, but it's a a city in West Yorkshire which has a very high percentage of Muslims living there and the village where I grew up is where I still live now as well it's just completely white it's completely English and it's one of those villages where if you see a foreign person you kind of do a double take and think what are you doing here but when I was um, 19 I went to live in Bradford for a couple of years with my friend who was a student at the local university and just it was just so horrible, just the way that we were treated by Pakistani men. I mean, best case scenario, they kind of, you know, whistle at you or shout something at you, that kind of stuff. But we were physically chased, we were spat at, we were told to leave certain areas, we were called white slags, things like that. And it just really woke me up to the fact that we're not all the same. And I think for a while I was thinking, is this a religious thing? Is it a cultural thing? Is it a racial thing? And I went down the Islam path for a while, but then eventually I realised it's a it's a combination of all three, so race, culture and religion. But it's funny because the area where I live is still completely white, but all the surrounding villages, just the diversity of the last two decades, it's increased by so much. And yeah just some of the shops you know like you can you can go down a certain street and like all the shops are written in arabic and there's people walking around wearing the shalwar kameez and you don't hear english being spoken and sometimes you do feel like you are in a a foreign country uh london is particularly bad i kind of feel like every time i go down to london it just it just feels worse and worse and less and less english which is so sad but there are also cities like leicester uh, Birmingham, Luton and Slough where the white British are also a minority now and people say oh you know it's only London it's it's a big city that's why the British are a minority but it's not it's happening to towns and cities all over the country and it's going to happen to Britain overall by the year 2066 if we don't start to reverse these trends. And it's not just cities we saw and I know you know about this article because you had comment about it, commented about it but there was some I don't remember which person was saying it but there was an article written about how the countryside of England is too white and how it needs yeah. to, needs to diversify so they literally want to make it that there can be no white any anything even in england even in europe and if you were are to say anything about that they call you a uh, a white supremacist or a white nationalist like it's like it's some kind of dirty word that you just want to exist with your people and be a majority somewhere i mean what do you think about them even going for the countryside i mean they're doing this in germany and ireland now too yeah, so I made a video about it and I actually wrote the article at Defend Europa about it as well. But it was a 168 page report which came out uh, last month, I think it was. And they've basically just said that the countryside is too white. Like they, they openly came out and said that. So they want more employees working at, um, you know, like governing bodies in the countryside. But then they also want to just encourage more black people and more people from the Middle East to visit the countryside as well. And they're, they're upset that these people don't feel a connection to the countryside. But why would they? You know, it's, it's not their it's not their land. Why would they? Um, so yeah, God, no- God knows what they're going to do. Like, I don't know what incentives are going to be putting in place to get these people out into the countryside. But I actually like to get away from the city, you know, all mm. the consumerism and all the diversity, go camping with my friends, go for a walk. And it is nice just to be surrounded by your own people. And also everyone's friendlier in the countryside. You know, yeah. people are walking the dogs and they say hello to you when they walk past and that kind of thing. So we're not even allowed a little safe area to escape to anymore it just seems like they've, they've done the cities they've done the towns and now they want to come for the country as well yeah you just have to claim those spaces we all have to be friends and neighbors and just pick a town and just <laughs> move into it and take, <laughs> yeah. it take it over you know and the other thing is england is pretty crowded i've been to england many times like the uk it's tight how many how many people are they gonna bring in there i mean have you heard any limits at all as to immigration Well, the population at the moment is around 66 million. And there was actually a report from the Office of National Statistics last 
uh, last week it was, and they do it. It's like a population prediction. They do it every year, and they predicted that over the next decade we're going to have another three million people in Britain, and seventy four percent of that population growth is going to come from direct immigration, and then the rest is going to come from births. But of course, when they say births, they don't just mean British people; they mean all of the births in the country. And at the moment, only fifty eight percent of births in England and Wales are white British. So really, it's like what. 85, 90% of that population growth is going to come from immigration. Um, and, and we add the small island, like you say. I don't know if you've been to London, but if you try getting on the tube or even just walking down the street, it's so packed. It really is. And a lot of the cities are, are turning that way now. Now, a lot of these people that are having children, we also know that there's a lot of welfare abuses. So that's one of the the ways that they're able to have a lot of children is on the uh, backs of the English people, correct? I mean, we see that happening in Germany as well. Yeah, so the the it, it feels like sometimes the the last people into the country are at the first of the queue when it does come for, come to benefits. Mm. Um, and actually, my grandma used to work for a Pakistani family in Bradford, and some of the dodgy stuff that them and their friends got up to, they used to actually bring their family members into the country on on the passports of dead people. So you know, if someone died, but they all like look the same with their things over the head and that, they'd use their passport to bring other people into the country, and then they'd claim benefits for all sorts of things while they were working jobs, and you know, they have their own taxi ranks and takeaways and stuff, but they claim benefits as well. It's all cash in hand, and yeah, I just I, I don't think even our government knows the extent of what's going on. But yeah, it, it need, we need a complete overhaul, and I think if we ever manage to gain power, then. The benefit system is one of those things that just needs to be stripped out and, and gutted and exactly. done again. Then people will stop coming. Yeah. People, they go to England, they go to Sweden, they go to Germany, they go to places that, that are going to pay out. You know, if you're yeah. like, you're not going to get any money if you come, then they're not going to want to come. And by the way, you're not going to get any more money if you're here. I think a lot of people will just uh, self-deport, honestly. That's yeah, but we're too soft because you, you see the, the refugees coming from Africa and they go through all the other European countries straight to Britain because mm-hmm. we're the softest. Yeah. And it, it shouldn't be like that. We need to be more brutal. Oh, I've seen footage where they actually have, you know, lists that these NGOs give them of like how much each country is paying out. And here's a map. You are here and here's how you get to get to Sweden or Germany or you know, it really is evil. It's really, really yeah. evil. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to ask you, and no, this is a big question, but why? Why do you think that this is happening to us? If there are elites behind the scenes who uh, they're really advocating for us to become a minority, what do you think is going on in their heads? Well, I think it, I don't think it's a simple answer. I think there are a, a few different groups of people that are doing this. Uh, I think one of them is people of different ethnic groups that have a lot of power and they hold a lot of resentment towards us. I mean, we had, uh, when Tony Blair was prime minister, his immigration minister, Barbara Roche, who was a Jewish MP, she said that she just felt more comfortable among multiculturalism. So I think for a lot of people it is is resentment, it is... um, not wanting to live in a white ethno state so that they want to you know inflict all that diversity and multiculturalism on us but i think there's also an element of a financial reason so you know driving down wages that kind of thing um and also i think short-term financial gain for a lot of politicians so they never they never plan long term they never say like you know this is the goal for britain over the next 30 years they just think about their four-year cycle and how much money they can earn but yeah i think and also I mean, if if you want to like get into like clergy and stuff like that, I mean, mm. I don't know how true yeah. that is, but I think they do want a sort of maybe average IQ of eighty five to ninety breed of people who are just perfect consumers, you know, smart enough to operate machinery, but not too smart enough that, to ask questions, you know, that kind of thing. That's so right. I think it's a, I think it's a variety of things. I don't think we can just point to one group of people and say it's that, but I do think that that, that is part of it. Yeah, it's, it's all those things, definitely. I did a video about this, why they want to replace white people. I had over a million views, and then uh, YouTube nuked that one, of course, but you can <laughs> still see Yeah, I saw that one, actually. <laughs> but yeah, the Clergy thing is is very interesting, and I think it really is based on, on hatred, <laughs> you know, hatred of European people. I mean, do they wish this kind of thing on any anyone else? I, I, but it is true. He talked about, what is it, the European uh, Negroid Asian man of the future. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, these people are actually anti-diversity, and we always have to point that out. Uh, the, the world exists of different ethnic homogenous peoples and nations, and that makes up the world's true diversity. And they want to destroy that diversity and make everyone the same. One race, ultimately one government, one religion, one people that's easy to control, make them exactly rootless consumers with absolutely yeah. no connection to the past. 
Yeah, and I think as well, if we were all like Kalerga kids, then we would we wouldn't have an identity. You know, we we wouldn't have something from the past to hold on to. So we probably just would live our lives by consuming and watching TV and eating TV dinners and watching Netflix and stuff. And Ugh, that's more money in their pockets. So empty, empty existence. Yeah, it really is evil. You know, you have to kind of question the the spiritual aspects of that at some point too. Now, identitarianism. What what does that mean to you? Um. I, I don't really call myself an identitarian, oh, okay. but I, okay. I, <laughs> I guess it means, um, I mean, I think generation identity, you use that word, that I, I just call myself a nationalist, yeah. really. Yeah. But um, I guess it means, I mean, I think they talk about, is it ethno-cultural identity? Mm -hmm. So they do use the ethno word, so it is racial, ra racially based. But I guess it's, it's just feeling like you're not just a rootless like lobotomized person walking around from one place to the next you do actually have an identity you do actually have a history and a past and you do actually have things that you can be proud of and things that you feel connected to and I, I do think that the rootless cosmopolitans who are in power I do think that is something that terrifies them really yeah uh, absolutely of course meanwhile they have their very strong <laughs> identities and based on yes. their ethnicities and stuff <laughs> we know who we're talking about here the the different groups but yeah i i see a lot of times now in america they're calling uh you guys white nationalists you know <laughs> mm. just because you want europe to remain white and i always say hey wait a minute here not that i, I could care less what people call me or what <clears throat> term they want to use but it's not just a generic white in Europe. You're English, you're Swedish, you're German, you're Swiss. And I, I want that to remain. I don't want just a generic white kind of like what's happened in America. Now, what are your, what are your comments on that? Yeah, I, they use the word white because it's scarier when they use the word white. <laughs> so if they just said nationalist, it would be like, you know, anyone can be a nationalist, but they always say like white ethno-nationalist to mm -hmm. make it sound scarier. And um, yeah, I'm with you on that. So I want Britain to be full of British people, Sweden to be full of Swedish people and Germany to be full of German people. Obviously, we are, we are all European. We are all white. So we, could, we should have collaboration between those nations and immigration from Europe should be prioritised over immigration from the Middle East and Africa. But we are all different. You know, the Polish are very different to the Italians who are very different to the Spanish. So I think that they just use the word white because unfortunately, white is a naughty word. Yeah. And if you say nationalist, it's nowhere near as scary as saying white nationalist or white supremacist. Yeah, and That's I always hate too it. when they say in America, they're always like, when they talk way about Europe, like they know what's going on way in Sweden or England, even though they don't live there, they're experts on everything, right? They say that uh, <laughs> these national they want to form a white ethno state. And it's like, wait a minute, those already exist. <laughs> it's called England and Sweden and yeah. France and Spain. Like those are <laughs> ethnically homogenous nations. I mean, they really are retarded, you know? Yeah, retarded they don't know what they're people. talking about. And also to call a nationalist a white supremacist doesn't make sense because as nationalists, we just want to be left alone. <laughs> so to call a supremacist, yeah. yeah, it's like two contradictory words, which proves that they don't know what they're talking about. Yeah, I, <laughs> I would say it's like, it's the total complete opposite. We don't want to lord over, and we just don't want to have any of them around. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. We can just do our own thing. And, and here's the thing, if you guys hate white people so much, why do you want to come live with them? <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it was fine. Like in England and America, we've always had um, people who weren't European, but it was in small number and you didn't really notice it because there wasn't a lot of this cultural Marxist agitation yet. Sure, you notice differences, but people kind of they they kind of left each other alone and tended to their own groups. And it was a very small number of non-Europeans in our countries, which is not a big deal. And there are some nice people who are in our countries and they're supportive of our, our cause and stuff. But now what we're talking about is massive demographic displacement we're not talking about the kind of nationalism where we need you know blood tests before you can come come into the country right yeah it's just for britain it's it's unlike anything we've ever seen before so we have the lie of we've always been a nation of immigrants which isn't true because up until empire windrush docked in tilbury in 1948 britain was completely homogenous so even during you know when we were invaded by the romans and stuff and the anglo-saxons people always use those arguments i mean there are other europeans anyway but britain was still during the roman occupation for example we were still 97 percent native um and the romans had no impact on our dna anyway but they always use those arguments and say, you know, you've always been a nation of immigrants. And it's like, you cannot compare 
an invasion. So people turning up at your shores with swords and axes. Who are other Europeans to what is happening today? You know, people coming from Somalia, uh, Somalia and, and being given a council house and benefits and hate speech laws being created so that nobody can criticise it. It's two completely different things. But for us, we were we were pretty much homogenous up until 1948. And then uh, mass immigration started and tens of thousands of people started coming to the country every single year in the 50s, 60s, 70s and 80s. And then in 1997, when Tony Blair became prime minister, that just increased rapidly. And then hundreds of thousands of people started coming to the country every single year. And now, as you're showing on the screen, we're going to be a minority within our own country within a few decades. But it hasn't actually got better under the Conservatives. It's still, net immigration is still running at the hundreds of thousands. And obviously the net immigration figure is dodgy anyway because it doesn't tell you how many people are leaving and the total number that are coming in. But it's just, we, we've never experienced anything like this. And people say, oh, it's, it's natural, you know, immigration is natural. This losing is not your natural. Country, no, losing your country in a century is not natural no, at all. No. This is this is forced. And it used to be when this happened in the old days, yes, it was called an invasion and people were allowed to fight back. We literally are bound and gagged from being able to fight back. I mean, they haul people off to, the, to jail in the UK now for being nationalists or having wrong thoughts. It's completely not the same thing. Yeah, I yeah. know. It's crazy when I hear stories coming out of the UK of people th being thrown in jail for thought crimes or they misgendered someone or, uh, yeah, it's just, how how is that even happening? And that's the other thing, too, like a lot of this trans hysteria I see in the UK. Well, how do you think all these incoming people are, like, are they really going to care about trans rights? I mean. Yeah, well, there was a, which, um, was it Jess Phillips? I think there was something to do with um, LGBT education being taught at a school and some Muslims started protesting it, saying that they didn't want it to happen. I think it was Jess Phillips, who's a Labour MP. She was saying, what's going on? You know, I don't understand. We invited you into this country. Why aren't you adopting our values? And, stuff? and it's like, <laughs> you're such an idiot. These people are not going to adopt our values. Oh, um, but yeah, I don't think they've thought that far ahead. <laughs> Yep, it'll be fun times ahead. But I think that we should also tell people not to be blackpilled, right? I, I mean, you're not blackpilled about what's happening in England, even though it seems like, oh my gosh, it's we just, we're we're defeated already. I don't think we should have that attitude. Our ancestors never had that attitude, and they did some amazing things. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Oh yeah, I'm completely opt optimistic for the future, um, and the reason is because I think. So, you know, a lot of people say we can't fix this democratically. And to a certain extent, I agree with those people, but we can give it a shot anyway. You know, we can we can try and go as far as we can. But even if it comes to something more dangerous in the future, I have so much faith in us as Europeans that we're going to get through this because, I mean, as British people, we colonised the quarter yeah. of the globe. You know, we've we've overcome such yeah. incredible feats. Con conquered the world. In the past. Yeah. Yeah. We, I think we're the smartest. I think we're the strongest. I think we're the most resourceful. And there's absolutely no way that European men are just going to go silently into the night and just allow yeah. that flame to go out. There will be some sort of fight back. But I think for a lot of people, they're just too comfortable at the moment. You yeah. know, they still have hot running water and they, they then personally haven't been attacked. Maybe they've read something in the news about a, a machete attack or something, but it hasn't actually hit them yet. So I hope as it does get worse and worse, I do hope that people start to think, okay, enough is enough now. Yeah. And um, eventually it's going to get to the stage where it's it's going to be like South Africa and we are going to be attacked and we are going to have to say, like, you know, we need to do something about yep. this. Then, then the but problem solving begins. Exactly. <clears throat> and I think white guys will do really well in that environment that's uh, chaotic and it's dangerous and things are escalating. I think that white guys will definitely persevere and problem solve and be able to take the reins back. Honestly, I, I do see that happening. White people are the most tolerant. Unfortunately, it's a blessing and a curse, I guess. Um, but we do have our limits. Yeah. Everyone has their limits. Yeah. Now, I wanted to talk about the uh, attack on nationalist women by lefties because I know, and it's not by guys on our side, we have to make that clear, because I know you and I both get a lot of uh, flack by these uh, male feminists. I think there's one kind of fat slob that attacks you a lot on Twitter, I forget his name, some, uh, some loser. So tell us about your experiences being attacked by lefty men. Yeah, it's interesting because I don't get any abuse at all from within the right. Yeah. And people always say, oh, you know, there's loads of incels or loads of like 
um, men that live in their mother's basements who don't know how to talk to women and they attack nationalist women and I never get any of that at all I find that the men on our side are incredibly respectful but I get attacked so much by left-wing men and I'm not sure why they hate me so much because a lot of other women who are nationalists don't seem to get this as much I know that you get it quite a lot as well because I, I see you being attacked on Twitter but I think part of it is that they have kind of forfeited their natural role as protector. You know, all this stuff's happening in Britain with the rape gangs, for example, up to a million girls affected by um, these these Asian groom, Pakistani grooming gangs in Britain. And they're staying silent about it. And then when you have women speaking out about it, it must feel weird for them, you know, because we're kind of adopting their natural role, really. And I wonder <laughs> if that's why they attack, attack me sometimes. But yeah, it's just the most pathetic, weak, cooked comments. And oh my gosh. And rape and death threats and stuff. I always get that the communists is like talking about how they're going to hang me and rape me in the town square and all this stuff. Like, yeah, big talker, big talker. But this is the kind of people that we're dealing with. These are your yeah. typical, you know, lefty, progressive, male feminists. They're just basically, they're full of bullshit. Everything that they preach is this, it, no. They're they are violent, awful, disgusting, evil hateful people <laughs> yeah the, the way that they speak to us is just I, i've never been spoken to like that by a nationalist or even just a, you know like a normal apolitical person they are so vulgar and so vile and like you say it is it is threats and um i mean i've had my location tweeted out by that journalist that you're talking about um before he's tweeted my location out <laughs> historian he, he's tweeted my location out while i've been in a building and told uh, danish antifa to show me a warm Danish welcome, which we know what that means, but obviously he's been very clever with the way that he said that. So he's actually advocating for me to be attacked. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they would love it. Th these, pe these people are just, they're disgusting. They really are. They're liars. I mean, even my wiki page, which I cannot edit, by the way, and just someone's right on it right away as soon as the YouTube channel is deleted, right away, like literally a day later, ha <laughs> ha, it was deleted, you know. Anyway, it says something oh. on my page about how I'm constantly trolled and attacked by men on our side. I'm, that is an absolute outrageous lie. And it's printed there and I can't change it because some other lefty said it and there's the reference for it. Yeah. Basically, I think that they hate us because we are, we're threatening to them, right? We're, we're threatening because people listen to us. People like us. They feel moved when women speak uh, because they can't push that stereotype like you were saying earlier that nationalist men, they're just, you know, fat or lazy losers with swastika tats living in their mom's basement or whatever, because that's just not true at all. When do you meet those people ever? I think that once they had to admit and deal with the fact that many women exist in the movement, because this is just undeniable, there's lots of female creators. Now, I know some of them are taking a break right now. It's because they're married and having kids. They didn't give up and disappear like some lefties are trying to say. No, they're they're taking care of their families. But once they learn that women are in the scene and it's something they have to deal with, that they turn to slander, defamation, defamation, lies, and trying to hang you in the press as a tactic to, to silence you, to intimidate you, to make an example of, if you're going to be like these women, women, then this is what we're going to do to you, you know, to scare off women. Yeah, and... Uh, uh yeah, and I think that they want us to appear like we're a fringe movement and it's just, you know, guys with swastikas on their heads yeah. that are attracted to our kind of politics. But then when you have women who are, um, you know, smart, long hair, not crazy feminist women um, attached to the movement and talking about things and sharing their concerns, obviously they don't like that. So they that's why they silence us. Actually, one thing that really annoyed me was when you guys got suspended from YouTube just the left-wing males who were laughing about it on mm. Twitter, I was absolutely fuming because I think Lana and Henrik are trying to protect you and your children. Yeah, like these, right. are white, these are white people and you're laughing at them being stopped, mm. that their ability to protect you being stopped. And I just think, are you so stupid yeah. that you don't understand the severity of the situation that yeah. we're in? And, and they're just laughing at it, and it just, it, it winds me up so much. Well, we're going to get the last laugh. I know Henrik always reminds me of that, too. We will have the last <laughs> laugh. They're playing dirty. They deleted us because we're, we are effective, and we're reaching a lot of people, despite all their trickery, rigging the search results against us, you know, messing with the ratings, uh, having us not come up recommended. You know, we were putting it out there. We we're getting lots of views, and they just couldn't have that. We had no, no strikes whatsoever. I think the other thing is is the the woman aspect you know i i'm a mother i have a family you know they don't like that image at all i've seen them going after other uh, women in the scene 
uh, specifically. Uh, anytime I was interviewing women on this show, uh, 314, most of them would get written up by, you know, activists or lamestream press articles, or they would take clips out, look at these women trying to, uh, to, to threaten them, to silence them. And I think what's happening is that when women get involved into a movement, I've said this a lot of times before, things become more serious, especially for normies in 2019, because we live in a feminist culture, right? But women are also the ones that they motivate men, they inspire other women, women like to hear other women talk. And ultimately, we choose who we have the children with. So <laughs> women can be a big threat. I know they're working hard to destroy, some of them are working very hard to destroy our civilizations right now. But women could also be the key to turn these things this around. What do you think? Yeah, and actually the aim of my YouTube channel is just to make quick five or 10 minute videos that people can send to their family members or their friends, you know, just people who aren't politically aligned at all. Because I do think it it comes across as a bit softer when it's a woman yeah. saying it. So maybe they see that as a threat as well. And I think that women can operate a very kind of useful role by sitting at the gateway and enticing people in. So maybe they're aware of that as well. The hostess with the mostess. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's a, restaurants have the pretty girl in the front for a reason, you know, welcoming you into the, the restaurant, right? This is always how it's been. And that's what they're threatened of. And the thing is, there is a lot of uh, beautiful women who are in our scene or nationalists. They're smart, they're creators, you know, and they've been targeting each one of them. I've seen the slander pieces, I've seen the attacks, and thankfully, they're all they're all strong women. So they just laugh about it. And they have strong men beside them, which also really helps. But I, I expect them to come after I expect YouTube to come after pick off all, all the last one of these people, you know, what do you think is going to happen there? Yeah, I, I kind of feel like um, when I wake up in the morning, the first time I check my phone on a morning, I always check my Twitter to see if it's still up. And I always mm -hmm. check my YouTube to see if it's still up as well, because everyone has just been suspended. You guys know this as well as anyone. Um, but they, they don't tell you what you've done to break the rules. It's just like, it's so obvious that they just want to get rid of us. And um, there was a, a purge a while back, and I think you, Kipper, and the Great Order, who were both friends of mine, got suspended, but they, they didn't even tell them what they'd done. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's obviously they are threatened by it. That's why they're trying to silence us. If our ideas were so stupid, they'd just leave our ideas up there because they'd be able to ridicule them. But obviously they can't do that. Yeah, it tells you how afraid they are when they have billion, literally billions of dollars on their side and they control the media, they control the entertainment, education, and they can't have even one YouTube channel or a couple YouTube channels with four or 500,000 people. You know, James Alsop was taken off too. What do you have, 500,000 people? They can't even have this one guy with this YouTube channel or, you know, my husband and I, like with a YouTube channel talking about these things. That's how weak it really is because one yeah. crack can make all this fall apart. And I think that they know that. That's why they're so afraid. That's why the ADL has their their hit lists because they, they yeah. can't, they, and they won't debate us because they'll lose, you know? Yeah, ultimately. well, look how many views how many views you guys got on your videos compared to like was it was it the SPLC oh that have got a YouTube channel as well <laughs> there was one video of everyone was laughing I was 647 views in six years <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah and their tweets as well like we in Britain we have hope not hate who are like our dodgy organization that are attacking us and lying us about us all the time and I can't remember how many thousands of followers they have on Twitter but they get like four likes on a tweet and then I have <laughs> much less followers and I'll get like 500 and it's like have you got fake followers or do people just not agree with what you're saying this so is yeah what, people that's are obviously it yeah. coming to us it's not the mainstream view what's happening is it's just a little powerful click people to get money from elitist billionaires that are funneling a couple of these groups and they just all they do is target us all day this is not the mainstream view this is not what the common man thinks and they don't most people they don't think about hate speech and all this stuff we're talking about a, a powerful small clique that is doing all of this to us and you know what i think it's great it's an honor that they feel so intimidated and threatened by us and that they think about us you know it's inspiring yeah we, we we should think like that sometimes when i think sometimes it does it, it's, it gets a lot doesn't it with all the suspensions and you, you lose connections with your friends who have gone from twitter and sometimes you just think oh god i'm being attacked relentlessly but really it is a compliment because they are threatened by us that's why they're doing it so we just need to 
we're on the, the good side you know we're on the side of truth so we just need to keep doing it that's right we have to keep doing it when you have to do more of it and we have to do better and it's it's up to all of you guys listening and watching to help support all of your creators and people who are on the front lines who are taking the hits who are, are trying to spearhead this because it's a ma- it's a matter of time all these things they're going mainstream these are mainstream discussions it is going there whether the other side likes it or not we are the future of media and we are the future of our countries and they know that that's why they're working so hard so i always try and keep that in my mind but what are your websites you want to promote and any other uh, future things that you have going on yeah so the the big one at the moment is the, the patriotic alternative which is mine and mark collett's platform so we basically decided that we wanted to um just get off the internet the censorship was one reason but also i just think you're kind of limited to what you can do on the internet and we decided that we wanted to start networking in real life and getting out into communities and just building a database of people and skills really and um, we have submitted a bid for the patriotic alternative to be a political party as well so we'll see how we can get with that and um, they might stop us but we're going to give it a shot. Um, so we had our first conference in September and then we had our first piece of activism. Uh, just online. We were never asked. We've got two more conferences next year and we also have um, a Christmas due coming up, I think in December that's going to be, um, p- potentially November. But we also just do things like, you know, camping trips and um, meals out and walks in the country and stuff like that. And we're just building this really fantastic network. So if anybody is listening in um, Britain, it's not, a controlled opposition organization it's not a honey pot <laughs> or anything like that it's just me and mark wanting to connect with real people in in britain and um, i'm very excited about what we're going to do there hopefully we can turn it into a real political party because we're not going to cook on any issues we're going to be completely honest about what we want from the start which is going to be closing the borders repatriation increasing native fertility rates yep. taking back control of the media the educational establishments things like that awesome and um yeah we'll just we'll just see what we can do so that's the main thing that i'm working on at the moment mark and i are trying to um, come up with a manifesto and stuff like that but um we also have uh, the website for we were never asked which is we were never asked.co.uk and i'm still at defend europa as well so defend europa good website com yeah uh, thank you which is just news and opinion from across europe from a nationalist perspective well you're doing great work I, I and you and mark are a good team and i know there's a, there's a lot of our folks over there so if you guys are listening and you're in the uk definitely connect with laura connect with mark i've heard good things about your some of the hiking and outing and the camping trips and stuff so if we ever That's head good. back that way we'll definitely have to connect <laughs> and we should yeah, also <laughs> we should also tell everyone because of the the youtube ban i'm pretty sure we're depersoned from youtube even if we start another channel we'll see what happens there definitely everyone share this video you can re-upload it onto your channels just get it out there just so we be more sure that it's on many different platforms so that they can't take it down laura thank you so much for joining us it's, it's been great Oh, it's my pleasure. And it's it's lovely to finally speak to you. I know we were trying to plan something for a while, but yeah, it's nice to finally work with you. <laughs> and we'll do it again soon. Yeah. A warm thanks to Red Ice members who make this show possible. We cannot do it without you. We are 100% supported by you. Since ThemTube deleted our channel, you can always find us at RedIceMembers.com for the best exclusive content, RedIce.tv for all the public content, and DLive for live streaming. We're also on BitChute, Facebook, Twitter, and Gab. If you're listening and you want to help and do something a little extra, feel free to upload all our public content or any of your favorite videos to your channels just to get it out there. Also, before you go, don't miss our special Halloween Eve live stream on the 30th, starting at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, exclusively live streaming from DLive. We'll take some calls, have some special guests, candy, and costumes, maybe something offensive. (laughs) Love you all. Talk soon.